Greetings and welcome to The Second Question, a podcast for educators and those who love education. I'm your host, Martin Silverman, a public school educator from beautiful San Antonio, Texas. Now, let's answer the second question. Welcome, listeners, to episode 27 of The Second Question. I'm so excited to have you back uh, with me this evening as I get to introduce you to somebody that I know you're going to be uh, just thrilled to get to know, just the way I am. So if you were to Google the name of my guest tonight, Trevor Timmerberg, you would not believe it was the same person you were reading about. Because what you would read, if you Googled this guy, is that he is a former college athlete, He's a commissioned officer in the Army. He is an Ironman triathlete. He, oh, and by the way, he's also an assistant principal at a high school in Louisville, Texas, Louisville, Kentucky, not Texas. And along the way, he's also picked up a couple of master's degrees and a few other things. And so, with that exhausting introduction, I want, to I want to introduce you to my friend, Trevor Timmerberg. Trevor, thank you so much for being on the second question. I'm so happy to have you. I am just ecstatic to be here. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Mr. Silverman here, connecting originally through the Teach Better team and the Mastermind Chats, and you've been nothing but a blessing and an encourager along, along this journey to myself and several others. So thank you for what you're doing, and thank you for having me here. Well, I appreciate that. Um, Trevor, when I read off your list of activities, we'll call them activities. I'm going to call them accomplishments. You might call them activities. Um, you know, so many of those activities and accomplishments require motivation and drive. What, what would you say motivates you and drives you? Mm. I think one of the biggest things that motivates me is uh, the potential of who God has made me to be, and I don't think I'm there yet, so who I can be today and what I can set myself up for tomorrow to help others, build others up, and encourage people just like you've been an encouragement to me and help develop the next generation of leaders and develop all the people around me. That is what motivates me. I'm a high, I'm definitely a high drive um, individual. If I was a dog, I'd probably be like a German Shepherd or uh, one of those Labradors that likes to retrieve um, because I just, I don't have a whole lot of quit in me. Um, and when I focus that in on something that, that really matters and that's, that's people for me and uh, purpose, then I, uh, I like to, I like to keep that ball rolling. That's for sure. Yeah, no, definitely. I can, I can see that ball. You could call it rolling or you might even call it juggling because I feel like <laughs> you do a lot of these things all at the same time. Don't you? Mm -hmm. I do. I do. Yeah. Uh, I'll get myself into into trouble if I uh, if I don't keep busy. So as long as I'm pursuing my passions and and focusing on the people and uh, doing things the right way for the right reasons, I, I think I'm in a pretty good space. Totally agree with that, Trevor. I, I was talking about 
towards the end of your introduction about the degrees that you're collecting. So I believe that you told me right before we went on that you were finishing up some homework. Uh, what are you working on right now? Yeah, so I uh, I have I got two master's degrees. I got one when I was still playing uh, in lacrosse in college and a uh, master's in teaching. And then I just wrapped up last spring my master's in education with a focus on uh, educational leadership because I am assistant principal now, but I aspire to be uh, as quality of a principal uh, like I see in front of me here with you. And um, and so right now I'm working on my doctorate in leadership and uh, it has been a blast. It's been um, kind of a swift kick in the rear every now and again because there's a lot to write and uh, the production of and the discipline of, of writing every week and, and kind of churning out what I think are the highest quality products I'm capable of um, with some pretty dense and heavy topics and, and working with some of my peers and commenting back and forth, I'm learning probably more than I ever have. And it has been such a, a unique and rewarding experience because everything I'm learning is directly applicable to my job in education, my work in service through the military and in the relationships of the people around me. Um, I heard somebody say that was much wiser than me but uh, that leadership was their love language. And it made me think that leadership is a universal language. And to me, leadership is putting people in a position to achieve their potential or a collective potential. And I think, how cool is that, that we get to be the, these encouragers that, that can either light a spark or um, you know, help position or reposition someone or, or pull them or push them or prod them, whatever it takes, but we get to help other people achieve their potential, I think, that's pretty cool to me. That that's something I can I, I can vibe with and I and I can get down with. And I that is at the end of my days and, and what I would say my legacy to be, I want to be someone that was known as a leader, but that kind of leader, somebody that is constantly pursuing lifting others up and helping them achieve everything that they can and uh and make the world a better place. No, that's uh you know, just a great philosophy to have. And you know, when I listen to you talk, I hear you talk so much about the future. And, you know, we always have to keep our eyes focused on the future and what's getting ready to be. But I want to take a, a second and I want you to look back for just a moment. So when you think of to date, the things that you have done and been involved with, as of right now today, what's your greatest accomplishment so far? Hmm. Greatest accomplishment so far? I am... To preface, I'm not good at acknowledging accomplishments, um, and I think I, I know that, and that's why I asked you to do it. It <laughs> <laughs> would makes you such a good leader that you're forcing me to to kind of sit and wrestle with that. Um, one of the things I like to do is that as I get to the precipice of an accomplishment, I start to then figure out how I can leapfrog and go on to the next thing. But uh, I would say, update um, my athletic career. I think is is one of them that is, uh, I'm incredibly proud of because it is a reflection of the hard work that I put in. Um, it is a reflection of the investment of time, energy, and love from my parents, from my coaches, from my teammates. And I think, um, based on my interactions with my teammates and my peers and being a captain on teams at, at pretty, pretty decently high levels and things like that, that my teammates would respond with that I helped them just as much as I was pursuing helping myself athletically. So, so I would say that's one, but on par with that is uh, commissioning as, as an officer in the United States Army. I have a, a long lineage of 
within my family of service, whether it's through the military or through uh, other, other, other government organizations. Uh, my sister's a nurse. Um, and that, uh, that value of service, I think, something that really resonates with me. And so to get to be a part of that and to, um, to, to swear in as a commissioned officer, knowing that I am pursuing service for the sake of others, for the sake of my country, um, I think has been, it, it was very humbling. Uh, a burden of responsibility that I willingly took on because um, it, uh, it it means a lot to me. And I think uh, it also means a lot to me to be a part of that, that larger community. I'm a very, very small piece of the puzzle that uh, probably doesn't even matter a whole lot in the grand scheme of things, but I, I very much value that and I'm honored uh, by that as well. I think that is, see, it wasn't that hard to, to, reflect on yourself and you know uh, it, it's important that you uh, you are such an outward giver it's uh, i i like that you have the opportunity to think uh inward about yourself as well i i, I wanted i wanted to give you that opportunity uh, trevor you work currently as an assistant principal in a uh, catholic high school correct in louisville mm -hmm. kentucky right. and uh you're fairly new to the role Although you've been at that school, I think, believe as a teacher and as a, a curriculum or as a director of students, something, yep. mm -hmm. something like that. So things have, you know, to say the least, things have changed in education in the last uh, 18 months, two years. And one of the things we hear all the time is uh, that we have to get back to normal, right? And so when uh, my question for you is, Knowing that normal is a very variable <laughs> term, right? Mm -hmm. What do you do to attempt to get as close to normalcy in your job as possible? I think that's such an interesting uh, paradigm to kind of unpack as well because it has not been normal. Um, it's been all over the place, and we keep using phrases like new normal or um, what it's going to look like now. And I think uh, one of the things that I have focused on and really kind of almost doubled down on it as, as I think a strength of mine, but also what I think is what we're realizing we need more than ever is people have to come first. Um, there, there is no way that a school continues to evolve and continues to develop students and, and high-level teachers if we do not focus on connecting with one another and with the, um, the, the greater goal that we're trying to pursue, which is high-level education. However, we will never get there if we are not spending time investing in our students, investing in our teachers who are like the first frontline uh, leaders in engagement, interaction with our students. Um, but I would say more than anything, I have just focused on the connection piece. Um, it, it is limited by space and time. And, and most recently, and I think one that we're still kind of learning to evolve with is the mass. We don't get to see smiles. We don't get to see that engagement. So the connection through conversation and through time well spent, I think within the classroom, during the lunchroom, um, the lunchroom is my one of my second favorite time of the day, my first favorite time of the day is I love greeting my students as they're walking into the building. I love waving to parents as they're driving by at carpool drop-off. I love smiling at the dogs. Um, they're poking their heads out the window. But I try to call every single student that I have 
by name if I can. If I don't know their name, I mean, we got 1,250 students in our building. So this is, you know, it's, it's a tough challenge, but I'm, I'm taking it on. But uh, the more I can call them by their name and ask them a specific question about what they've done recently um, that I know about, either activity, sport, uh, academic, family-related, you know, weekend stuff going on, the more I can connect with them as humans, I think the more engaged they get into the classroom because they know they're in a safe, secure environment that builds them up. And when that, when those conditions are in place, I think we th there's no limit to the potential of the student in the academic realm once those things are in place. I mean, we look at the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You know, we meet those things, but I think, you know, in addition to that would be that they feel safe and secure in who they are and their personal identity. And then I think we get to the academic side of things. But if we don't have that, um, it doesn't, I think Rita Pearson said in a TED Talk, it doesn't matter uh, how much you know if they don't know how much you care. And I'm not afraid to care about my students and still hold them accountable and still push them and still ask things out of them that they are they are you know too afraid to pursue yet because it doesn't seem cool or it um you know it's 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 lame it's homework or class activity it's like no we're we're going to we're going to find who you are and we're going to push you to fulfill that completely because we support you here i i mean what a great uh, way uh, first of all, I just love how you start your day. That's a that's a great way to start your day. And then you know you mentioned the the cafeteria is your second favorite place, and I see why. And I'm going to tell you that uh, I actually agree with you. I do cafeteria duty myself, and that's exactly the reason because you get to know kids on a plane that is not, um, uh, you know, as, quite as authoritarian. Uh, you get to see everybody, you know, doing something that is a human activity that everybody does, right? They're eating. Um, they are, uh, you get to kind of observe uh, how the clicks are working out, how they, uh, you know, who's sitting alone, who's not eating, who's eating, all those kinds of things. And And there's a lot of information you can get from that. And so, you know, sometimes people are surprised that I actually enjoy hanging out in the cafeteria with my fifth graders, especially uh, that's who I do duty with, but uh, it, I get a lot of information from that for yeah, sure. It's, so, it's I, human... so I know that's, I know that's why you like it as well. Yeah. It's a human formative assessment. We talk about formative assessments all the time in, in the classroom, but this is like a real person to person formative assessment. Um, so I eat my lunch out in the cafeteria every day. Um, just so I'm like a shepherd watching over my flock. I, I want to see what's going on. I'm going to see who's with who, um, who's alone, just all the things you said. Um, it is the is a critical tool, I think, as a building, as one of the building leaders to understand the pulse and kind of the temperature of what the culture looks like at the school in any, any given day. No, definitely. And and when you build those kind of relationships later on, if you have to, you know, discipline, it's a lot easier because you are, you know, you've been building that relationship as people. So uh, definitely, I see that. Uh, Trevor. I have a question for you. So you work with high school kids and high school kids, uh, and you're obviously visible and, and around. So I'm sure you get asked a lot of questions. So what question do you get asked most by your students? Oh, this is a good question. Um, I'm trying to think. Mostly when the next class period time is, but, um, or what's for lunch. But I think... Um, <laughs> One of the things I get asked a lot about is, um, and this is this is apparent in 
I think why why I'm in education in general. They they ask a lot about what I do outside of school because um, I, I used to be a, a volunteer firefighter for a time. Um, obviously, I'm in the military. I played done athletics. I, you know, done done some triathlon stuff, and and I'm a pretty active human being. So a lot of times they ask about things like that, which is a perfect opportunity for me to like dive in and just say, oh, you're interested about that? Tell me a little bit about yourself. And it's, it, we use it as kind of like a launching pad for a conversation to really access and kind of uncover some of the uh, underlying ideas and passions and things that my students have. And I think a lot of the times it's like, uh, how much do you bench? Or uh, <laughs> like I said, what's for lunch? Or it's like, Hey, Mr. T, are you coming to the game uh, on Friday night? And I'm always like, I'll be there. Um, but it's, uh, it, I think they just want to know that you're human. And so I think a lot of it comes back to it's human humanizing questions. And I have no issue on an appropriate level being human with my, with my students. And just like you said, um, I will absolutely bring correction and I will absolutely hold students accountable. And I... Before we get to all that, I have to first connect with them because then the, the consequences, um, the correction, uh, the accountability, none of that has any value if they don't know that I care about them as individuals. I, I, I have students that, that don't want to tell me the truth all the time when something goes wrong because I, I deal with discipline all the time. But at the end of the day, uh, or at the end of conversations when it's myself, the counselor, and the student, because I usually like to have you know full circle, um, you know 360 view of, of the situation, is... They're, they're leaving thanking me, not because I, I brought to them some sort of eye-opening experience or revelation, but it's because they know that I cared about them through the process. I'm going to hold them accountable. The consequences will still be the same regardless, but I'm more concerned about them maintaining the integrity of their character throughout the process that they know at the end of it why they're not leaving um, necessarily upset with me or, you know, my, my walls are shaking from yelling is that, uh, because I care about them and I'm not going to get the cooperation that I seek with the students where it's actually restorative discipline. If I just am coming at them from a superior perspective, but that doesn't mean I hold them any less accountable or the consequences aren't just as severe depending on whatever the, the situation is, but that humanizing moment, a lot of educators. And I had had a conversation with uh, somebody I really value at our school, who's uh, one of the campus ministers just the other week. She was like, I appreciate that you're willing to be human with our students and connect with them. And I said, I know it's, it, it's, it's a weird thing to think that we can't connect with our students and hold them accountable. They're not mutually exclusive. In fact, I think we can't really correct until we have connected because in the correction doesn't mean anything. It just, it, it just, appears as like uh, this this weird like punishment that comes out of, out of nowhere. And then it's very transactional. I, I, I seek transformation. Um, and I've been blessed to have people in my life that were those transformative leaders and influences in my life. So I have great examples. Um, and I get to see those around my building as well about how to be that transformational leader for, for our students and for our the people within our building. Yeah, you're describing, um, you know, in so many ways, as I listen to you tell that, uh, the parental role, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you're, you're not in a vacuum. You're not, your relationship with that child doesn't exist in a vacuum. It exists in, on a plane. You know, that's the world. That's your, 
your world together, which is the school. So um, definitely you, you can't discount the power of that kind of relationship for sure. Um, Trevor, so I want you to imagine there is a little red brick schoolhouse somewhere in Louisville that becomes, you know, your kingdom. That's Trevor Timmerberg School, right? And you get to pick everything that happens inside those four walls. Tell me what, just give me two things, two things that, that if I visited Timmerberg School that I would see going on. Okay. I think the very first thing I would do would take my name off the school building. And then <laughs> um, after that, I would find the best teachers that love students and love to develop students with a passion for um, school. I'd bring them in there. But I think if you were to look at the culture, the reflection of the culture, so like the iceberg of what you see above the surface, I think you would see in my school that you have teachers and administrators, people in the building, you know, that are passionate about pursuing connection and development of students in all in, in a full 360 degree, you know, spectrum. It's not just what are they producing in class or not just what are they doing athletically. It is this comprehensive view of student development, looking at all areas, their character, their integrity, uh, their ability to communicate, um, their, their body language, you know, all the things that matter along with their education. Because I, I don't think, that, like you said, those that's, that doesn't happen in a vacuum. So I think that'd be the, the first thing. And I think if I was in charge of a school, it would be a school that had to be um, oriented on engaging and interacting with the community around them. Uh, I think one of the, the transitions or the kind of the evolutions of the school that I've seen is that it become it went from community and it really worked its way inward to be more insular. And so it is just like, it's a, it's a, a building in the middle of a neighborhood that has nothing to do with the people around it. Uh, and I think that that is just so far off because then how, how great is it to leverage the people, the resources and the area for the benefit of the student and the student's benefit of the area around it. It should be this, this very comprehensive uh, back and forth engagement. But I think you would see in a building that I got to be in charge of, that those would be, those would be top line priority is, is that we are developing students that have character that are, you know, filled with faith and that are pursuing their potential. And then you would see a building that represents a, a body of people that want to interface, interact, and engage with the community around them to benefit the community and also to benefit the school so that it is this holistic experience of development because that, that's who we are. I, I heard this great quote one time. He's like, uh, some guy, I can't remember who it was. He's like, we're just all walking each other home. I mean, we're all in this together. The, the, why do we think that someone else's success has to be our detriment? Um, everyone can achieve that success and we can all push each other and challenge each other. And then we get the most out of ourselves because if you're on a team and you don't want your teammates to do well, well, then you're not getting better in practice and they're not getting better. And then you're not going to be a good enough team to beat the other teams that are doing that. So we have to build each other up so that we can continue to grow with and for each other for a greater purpose. 
Absolutely. And you know, I have no doubt that this school will one day exist. Just so you know, that's that's uh, my vision for you. But I do have one more question about that school. Is it going to have a good lacrosse team? Uh, it will have whatever the students are pursuing. Uh, I played every sport under the sun growing up. So um, I would love to see um, some kids out there playing lacrosse and getting after it. Uh, but I'm not so um, so naive to think that it has to be that. If the students are interested in uh, golf, then we'll have the, the coolest golf team around that loves <laughs> to get after it and uh, kick some butt, but also have a good time doing it, you know? Excellent. And, you know, one of the things that you mentioned was first, actually, was how you would fill that school with the kind of teachers that you envision, you know, would be best for the students. And so that kind of leads me to the kind of the heart of this podcast and the purpose of this podcast initially, which is to honor teachers that have had influences on us. And so when I do a teacher interview, the second question I ask every candidate is, who's the best teacher you ever had and why were they the best? And so Trevor, I'm going to ask you that question. Trevor, who's the best teacher you ever had and why were they the best? Yeah, I've been, I've been incredibly blessed with several teachers that have come in many forms, coaches, academic teachers, uh, parents. Um, but I think the best teacher that I've ever had uh, in a school building, specifically high school, was Tenny Dewey. He was uh, he was actually the head football coach for a very long time, and you know I grew up in this in the neighborhood around the school. We went to the the games on Friday night. He was he was it to me. Um, he looked like a big bar barrel chest, uh, this booming voice, um, and and incredibly smart and intelligent. He taught a psychology class in um in the building but one of the things that was most profound about him is his his tender heart is that he is this louder than life bigger than you know bigger than life figure uh because of his success as a coach because of his presence um and because of his you know his physical prowess but he was the most tender-hearted kind human uh being that I've, I that I've ever been around and he actually I didn't. I wasn't fortunate enough uh, going into my sophomore year when I was getting ready to start playing varsity at the high school. He stepped down as head coach, which was de devastating to me. Um, but he did so because he was refocusing on his family, on his on his kids and his wife. And I think what a profound example for young impressionable uh, individuals like myself to be able to look at that and be like. Wow, I guess, I guess there is more to life than just sports. And I don't think I could really even t completely comprehend that at the time. But I got to have his class and I got to see a different side of him, the, the academic intellectual side and looking at the psychology and, and unpacking how that affects the, de you know, the decisions we make and how those are a reflection of our, you know, our, internal, our internal drives and our internal thoughts. And it just was such a, a great thing for me to see and really has informed and um, motivated me to be that kind of individual for my students, but also in my life as well with, with my girlfriend and, and to be able to show that tender side, even though I, I want to have uh, an impact just like him that is, you know, bigger, bigger than life, but I can do so by being authentically who I am, which is a compassionate individual, but that also um, has, ha pursue some of those more, uh, I guess, physical prospects. 
I love it. And what school was that? Was he coach at? Oh, yeah, that's right. So it was uh, Blue Valley Northwest High School. And it was in Overland Park, Kansas. So that's actually where I grew up, which is a suburb just south of Kansas City. Um, he he might even still be there today. Uh, he was, yeah, he was an incredible figure. I actually got injured uh, the last game of the season. We was the last quarter um, as a senior. And he was, he was still coaching as an assistant coach, which is also another example of how you can lead from uh, a different position on, on the, on the team. And, uh, and he yelled at me cause he thought I was, I was skipping out on a play or whatever, but I, I had a knee injury. So the trainer made me sit out for a minute and, um, he didn't realize it and we're in the heat of the moment and everything like that. And I was like, coach, I can't, you know, whatever the, you know, the trainer told me I couldn't go. And he, uh, he actually came over to me after the game and just lowered himself to, to my level which he didn't have to, and apologized. He goes, I had no idea, Trevor. I'm, I'm so sorry. And, and embraced me, like brought me in as a hug. I remember I lost it. I started crying. I was like, what, what is happening? Like, I didn't even know I was emotional at this moment. We just got done playing. Like, I was able to to, to get back in the game a little bit later. Um, it was just for a series that I had to get pulled for. But it was just like this. I don't know. It, it was the epitome of what masculinity, I think, should be like, is this strong, encouraging man that also has this compassionate and tenderhearted example to be able to relate to an 18-year-old kid who thinks he knows everything but knows absolutely nothing like myself. So it was, yeah, it was it was a profound experience that one that obviously I'm, you know, in my mid, you know, early to mid-30s right now that I still remember like it was yesterday. I mean, I would, I, I'm snapping back there right now and I can feel those emotions of him being disappointed in me, which was devastating to me, and then him coming back to take ownership of just a, just a miscommunication or misunderstanding that wasn't his fault. And, uh, and I thought, what an incredible experience. I hope I can be that or provide that to the people in my life as well. Well, you uh, definitely just described, uh, both the impact and the legacy and the humanity of what teachers potentially can be for kids. And so, uh, I really appreciate that. Uh, that you've shared that story. Trevor, you know, after listening to this interview today, I'm sure people are going to want to connect with you and contact. What's the best way that somebody could contact and connect with you? Sure. I think uh, I'm I'm really the most active Mm -hmm. and engaged uh, through social media on Twitter. So it's at Trevor underscore T-Bird, T-B-E-R-G. And it's just my name on there, Trevor Timmerberg. But I love getting to be encouraged by the people on Twitter and what everyone's doing, like the Teach Better team specifically. They always have people that are getting after it and and really pushing the envelope of what education can look like and not resting in what it has been. I think you're spearheading that for for our group and and what you're doing with your school and this podcast. And and I know you've been very active in that community as well. Um, But yeah, Twitter, I love jumping into the chats and, and talking passionately about how we can make schools better and therefore how we can make students better and and make our world better around us for those next generation of leaders. Well, I know you can fit that in among all the many other things that you are are involved in. So uh, I definitely appreciate it. Trevor, uh, I just want you to know this uh, has been one of the highlights of my week chatting with you. I appreciate you taking your time uh, across the time zone and uh, you know, 
a little bit across the country, up in Kentucky. I appreciate uh, the passion that you shared with us. And I just want to thank you for being a guest on the second question. It's been my privilege, Marty. Thank you so much. I, I appreciate the opportunity. I'm very honored to get the chance to talk with you. It's, uh, I feel like I'm stealing your time, but I love it. I'll take it. <laughs> and that's it for today's episode of The Second Question. Thanks for joining us. If you like this podcast, subscribe and tell your friends. And don't forget to join us for the next episode where we will answer the second question. Thank you.